Thanks for listening to the RTS Washington Faculty Podcast. I'm Timo Sazo, Director of Admissions and Executive Producer and Editor of this podcast. The summer semester is a busy time for our faculty and students. And so over the next three months, instead of our regular full-length episode series, we will do a series called Summer Shorts. It'll consist of 10 to 15 minute episodes featuring our faculty and even myself discussing a variety of topics. I hope you enjoy them. Today, Dr. Scott Redd asks Dr. Tommy Keene how one should read the book of Hebrews. All right, Tommy Keene, there's been a lot of talk about the book of Hebrews these days. I, I, I feel like there are some really exciting, it seems like, I haven't read all of them, but some exciting new studies and some work going on and, and just focus coming to that uh, book of the New Testament. And that's the area where you did your study. And I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the importance of Hebrews, how we should read it, and uh, how we should engage some of the work that's going on today. Yeah, that's great. I I think it's a wonderful book. I, I I resonate with a lot of people's confusion about the book, even maybe fear of the book. You start reading, and it's one of those books that you can tell, like the author has put a lot of time into. It's very artistically crafted. There's a logic to it, um, but it's often dizzying as you as you begin to process it. And actually, the reason I went into Hebrews as a as a as a PhD student was because I felt like I graduated seminary, I got the MDiv, and I still did not know how to process this book. And so for me, actually, one of the biggest things, kind of keys that clicked into place for me was thinking about genre and what the book is actually designed to be. Uh, genre, you know, figuring out the genre of a book, the the rules that it follows, the the in its purpose and intent, some of those kinds of things are really helpful for orienting you to the way in which you should process a work of literature. And Hebrews is no different here. Um, and I have a little mantra that I that I tell students when when you first start reading a book or you're having trouble processing a book, I say the beginning of things tells you stuff. Start at the beginning and let the beginning of the book kind of orient you to to, to what it is, to what it's trying to accomplish, because an author wants to put those things at the beginning, wants to orient you to the kind of work that they are writing. Um, and, and it does so with Hebrews, there's a, but it's, uh, th that's true with Hebrews, but there's a bit of a false start from our perspective because we're coming at the book some 2000 years later and we're not as oriented to how rhetoric works in the ancient world. And, and so you read the beginning of Hebrews and you could, and, 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 parts of the middle, and you could kind of think that Hebrews is this like almost seminary lecture, like it's a, it's a theological treatise. And a lot of us approach the book, we read the book as if it's a theological treatise. It's designed to kind of give us doctrine and theology, and perhaps particularly covenant theology. I think Hebrews is productively read that way. But uh, actually, in the case of Hebrews, it's the end of the book that tells you what it is. Um, right at the end, the author says, uh, and let's see, this is uh, Hebrews 13 in uh, verse 22. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. And he uses a, he uses a genre term there, uh, paranesis or exhortation, to describe what he's writing. 
um, an exhortation. We have examples of that in our own day. Sermons, um, exhortative literature is intended not to teach you about things, but to get you to do stuff. And when you approach Hebrews, or when I first approached Hebrews from that mindset, not as a, not as a doctrine first document, but as an exhortation first document, a document that's designed to persuade me to behave in a certain way, everything began to kind of click into place. The argument started to work in a way that had never worked before. In other words, don't read Hebrews proposition to proposition. Read Hebrews exhortation to exhortation. Start with the commands. Let the commands drive the book. The commands move the book forward. Um, and when you do that, when you let the commands move the book forward, rather than the kind of propositional content move the book forward, you things start to click into place. Like, for example, why all this stuff in Hebrews 1 about angels? Was there some sort of angel cult that the author is talking about? Why does the author spend some 14 verses trying to persuade me that Jesus is better than the angels? Because I thought I got that. Like, I'm, you know, I checked that box when I was converted. Yes, Jesus is better than angels. So why all of this time spent on the angels? Well, the answer is not in the, the, the chapter itself, not actually in those 14 verses, but in the exhortation that's derived from those 14 verses in chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels was reliable, how much more so the message declared at first by the Lord, attested by those who heard, and borne witness to by God through signs and wonders. Like That's the point. The point is not Jesus is better than the angels. The point is because Jesus is better than the angels, we must pay even more close attention to the word that he has spoken. We all agree that Jesus is better than the angels, but if that's the case, then we need to hear the word that he is preaching to us and speaking to us even now through apostle and prophet. So that to me made everything click. The exhortations are the answer to the kind of didactic or teaching sections of Hebrews. And it, it really helps for Hebrews 1, the Melchizedek passage, the lengthy discussion of the cult in Hebrews 9. All of that is designed to provide the foundation and anchor for the exhortations that follow. And the exhortations that follow are all actually pretty simple. Stand fast in what you have heard because Christ is your great high priest. I like that distinction, you know, in terms of between exhortation and doctrinal, uh, particularly as kind of creating a reading strategy for how to approach the letter to the Hebrews. I'm interested in kind of seeing a little bit of the distinction. Can, can you point out what, what would a doctrinal type document look like and how is that going to change the way? Like, how would you read that kind of document differently than something that's more ex exhortational and rhetoric? Yeah, so if, if we're looking at kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum, um, a lot of Paul's letters fit that pattern, but Ephesians especially. Uh, Ephesians is almost, is justly famous for being kind of organized around a doctrine first paradigm. So Paul puts out his gospel if anyone's looking for a summary statement of Paul's kind of credo, his what what makes his theology work, Ephesians one through three is as good as 
is is as good as you can get. I mean, it's a succinct summary of his his credo, his mission statement. This is what I this is what I believe. This is where I stand. And then in four through six, he works out the, the kind of therefores. Um, so given that this is what the gospel is, here's how the church should conform itself to that to that gospel. Whereas Hebrews is a problem first, I think, structure. Here's what the issue is, um, and, and it's described for us in Hebrews 3 and 4. The issue is, is that we, like Israel, are wilderness wanderers called to pursue the promised land, but right now in the wilderness. Right now we're not at rest, we're pursuing rest. Given that that's where the church is, the need is that we persevere. How do we as Christians think about perseverance? We think about it as uh, drawing near to Christ, our high priest. So it's a kind of a, a promise first, a problem first orientation rather than a proposition first orientation. And I've heard sermons, I don't know about you, Scott, I've heard sermons that are both, right? A sermon can be a, a kind of have a, a homily can have kind of a text first or proposition first structure to it. But then it can all, some sermons can also have a problem first structure to it. Like, hey, I know we're all experiencing this. So we're all struggling with COVID. We're all struggling with these issues. How do we navigate this difficulty, this challenge? Well, let's look at what scripture says and come to a conclusion about that. That's really interesting. It makes me think. So that also has to affect the way that you're interpreting it and applying a book like Hebrews for today, because you're really sitting in on another problem. A problem, somebody else's problem, and you're thinking about how do I apply that to the world in which I'm living and growing today? Yeah, and, and of course, with Hebrews, there is an ongoing debate as to how specific or concrete that problem is. Is it a very particular issue that arises in the midst of, a, of that church, a, a very particular kind of problem that is unique to their, to their struggles, or is it more general? the universal problem of perseverance. And I, I skew more toward the general, but that's, um, that's a bit of a minority report. Most, most see a more kind of Galatians-like issue on the ground for this church that they're, that they're struggling with a return, for example, to classical forms of Jewish practice, something like that. So try it on for size. Uh, this isn't the only way to re read Hebrews, but take if you if you want to try to take an exhortation first approach to it, uh, you know, try it on for size. Look for those commandments. Look for the imperatives, and let the imperatives be the key to the indicatives. Your 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 gut might be the other way around, but you know you don't have to you don't have to stay here. But give it a shot. Uh, let the imperatives drive the action of the book. Um, and if you're looking for kind of a culminating imperative, a summarizing imperative, I'd, I'd look no further than uh, Hebrews 10, 19. Uh, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Everything leads to that point. See if that helps interpret the confusing sections. 